Turn with me to John, the fourth chapter. We've spent, uh, this is, I believe, the fourth sermon now, crawling through this story about Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, we are crawling through the book of John. I, I, I'm telling you today, it's my intention to finish this story today. It's my intention. I believe we'll get there. Um, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a place in life where you feel like you lack purpose? Have you ever been in a place in life where you, you don't even, like maybe it's, you don't even know what the meaning of life is. You even question that. Um, I remember some time, about maybe eight years ago, um, I remember questioning my purpose so much that I would lay in bed at night and actually have anxiety over wondering what is my purpose. Now, remind you, at the time, here I'm a family man, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a coach. I have a lot of busyness going on in my life. And even through all the busyness, wondering what is my purpose. The reality is, just because you have a lot going on in your life doesn't mean you clearly understand your purpose. And that can be hard. I remember um, there was a gentleman that went to our church a few years ago, and uh, he said to me, he said, he had come to Christ, and he said, I am, I am 62 years old, and I have just now found purpose for my life, coming to Christ. 62 years, he said, and it, it blew my mind to, to wander through life, and yet that's, that's where the world is. Some of us even think we have purpose. We've misidentified our purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of us know it in this room this morning, but Jeremiah 29, 11, it tells us the Lord is talking. He says, I know the plans I have for you. He knows the plans he has. We also have our own plans for us, too. There's an alternative, too. The enemy also has plans for you. In fact, he has plans to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so there's a lot of plans going on. The question we have to ask ourselves then is, which plans are we going to partner with? The Lord in that same passage tells us that, that Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. We can partner with the life of Jesus, but as we see from the Gospels, to find life, we actually have to lose our life. We actually have to sacrifice it for him, which is hard. It goes back to that giving of ourselves that I talked about a little bit ago. That can be incredibly difficult. We're looking in this passage of the woman at the well, and uh, a few things that we've gone on, and I won't re-preach all my sermons from the last few weeks, but there are a few things that we do need to to hit on here is that first of all that Jesus and his disciples were passing through a region called Samaria they were in Jerusalem which is down in the region called Judea it's the southern part and they're trying to get to Galilee which is way up at the north think of it as the hat up on top right and they're trying to get there and many times people go around Samaria to get to Galilee but they're going straight through they're going straight through. And the scripture tells us that's what Jesus had to do. He had to go straight through. 
And the reason the Jews went around this area is because Samaria was viewed as half-Jews. They were viewed as a group of people that, that, that Jewish people didn't touch. They didn't want to be around. So we're going to avoid their region completely. And it says Jesus, he, he came to this well uh, near a town called Sychar there in Samaria, and it says he was tired. How many of you are tired this morning? Some of you are too tired to even raise your hand. That's how tired you are. Um, it says Jesus was tired, and, and my friend David Brockman brought a wonderful message about resting, about resting. Uh, and you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to, to that as, as well as all of these. And it says, as he was resting, it was the middle of the day, this woman comes up to draw water. And this is interesting because usually women would come either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, but she's coming in the middle of the heat of the day to draw water, probably because she was an outcast, probably because the other women didn't want to be around her. Maybe it was because of her reputation, but here she is in the middle of the day, and Jesus asks her for a drink. If you actually look in verse 7, Jesus says, give me a drink. Um, and it says his disciples were actually in town. That's an important thing to remember, that his disciples are actually gone away into the town that this woman has actually walked out of. And she's shocked. She's shocked that this Jewish man is asking her, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. And they have this discussion. And we talked about in our first week to really dive into this part that Jesus was saying, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And we talked about the vision of our church, that the most important thing about our church is for people to know God. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you knew who I was, if you knew the gift, the free gift in front of you, if you knew God. And so then... She begins to discuss her life, or Jesus actually brings it up. He says, go call your husband. And we, we know the story by now that she says, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. We talked about the second vision of our church was to find freedom that people are often looking to quench their first and thirst and, and find their freedom in other things, but it can only truly be found in Jesus Christ and his words. In fact, that's what the woman said. She, she actually talking about his words, and she tries to debate religion. In fact, sometimes we try to find freedom in religion, and it's not there. The Samaritans had their own version of the religion. And Jesus says, you know, it's not in your version of religion or even ours, which is the true religion. But there's a time coming when true worshipers will worship in what? Spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And, and that's what we dove into. And she said, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And I love that. He will tell us all things. His words will be what gives us freedom is what she's saying. Because that's what the Messiah does. He comes to give freedom. And how will he give us freedom? He will tell us all things. And he's already told her all things. He's told her, I know exactly where you live. We're going to be picking up today in verse 27. 
In verse 27, it says this, Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. This was culturally unacceptable. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you, why are you talking to her? They, were, they, they knew Jesus is sovereign, right? They knew he had a bigger plan. They, they didn't dare question Jesus. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me, say told me. How do you tell people things? With your words. He told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? It says they went out of town and were coming to him. I want to stop right here because the significance significance of this can be lost if we just read past it quickly. Because what we have here is a conversation that Jesus and this woman had about being thirsty. About how to quench your thirst and how in each of us there's this desire for us to have our thirst quenched and we'll reach for other things and it's very apparent that this woman was reaching with relationships with men to quench her thirst and Jesus said if you knew who I was I would give you something to drink and you'd never be thirsty again isn't that what he said you'd never be thirsty again if you drink what I have and she's like you don't even have a way to draw anything out of this well but here we see she, she finally comes to terms of who Jesus is. And can I, can I offer you something this morning? That salvation isn't just about you recognizing who Jesus is, but in salvation, there has to be an identification of who you really are. You have to realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You have to realize that you're you're broken, you have to realize that you're thirsty. And too many times the reason people will not come to Christ is because they think they're okay, right? It's our own pride. It's us. The mirror gets held in front of us and we're like, I don't need to look at that. I know who I am. And it's, it's a lie. You will never come to Christ unless you truly understand who you really are, which is a sinner in need of a savior. And that's what Jesus calls out. He goes, I know who you are. I know who you are. You're the woman that's trying to drink from a well that never quenches your thirst. You're the woman who, who, who goes from relationship, relationship, re- relationship, trying to find something that you'll never find. So her thirst is never quenched. But when the disciples walk up, what they see is a woman. This is what they see. They see a woman who has a water jar sitting there. And what does she do? She leaves it behind. Why? Because I believe with all my heart that she was thinking, I will never thirst again. I will never thirst again. Her life had been changed. Her heart had been changed. Do you realize that when we truly give our lives to Christ, that we leave the things behind that we used to turn to to quench that thirst inside. She leaves it behind and she runs into town. This is actually where we find the next section of of the vision of our church. 
would know God, to find freedom. But right here, what she realizes is something is, I need to run into town. Why? Why does she have this desperate urge to run into town? She had to tell somebody what she had just experienced. You know what's happening? She's for the first time in her life discovering her purpose, which is the next part of the the vision of our church, is to discover purpose. See, before she thought her purpose maybe was to please the next man. Maybe she thought her purpose was whatever menial job she had in this town. But here, in this moment, when she has this encounter with Christ and truly understands who he is, and truly values his words. That's what she says. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. I understand his words are truth. And he understands truly who I am too. Do, do you realize, and it occurred to me as I was, I was praying for some people this morning, like, like we think we know each other. Right? Danny, I, I think I know you. But only the Lord really knows you. There's some part of each one of you that even our closest friend, our most intimate partners, like don't even truly know about us. Only the Lord truly knows us. And and that's what this woman is saying. She's like, there's this man who truly knows me, but now I must tell you about him. She's discovered her purpose. And in her purpose to run out and tell this town about Jesus... They all come out to meet him. Let's go to verse 31. Say purpose. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, that means teacher, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? It's just like the woman a while ago, right? Sir, you don't have uh, anything to draw any water with. How are you going to give me something to drink? Has anyone brought him something to eat? They're standing there with their buckets of KFC, or excuse me, their plates of Paco's Tacos that they just went into town to God. Here, have some. And he's saying, don't eat it. I have food that you don't know about. Then he says this, Jesus said to them, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, do you realize that there's a place where we feel satisfied because that's what food does. It satisfies us. In fact, I'm standing here before you right now and I am hungry. I am very hungry. I I can't wait to get lunch here in just a little bit. I don't even know what's going to be, but I'm hungry. My stomach's literally growling right now. I wish I had the mic. It's literally growling as I say this in response. Like, yes, Drew, you're hungry. There's something satisfying about sitting down and eating a meal. I mean, think about the best meal you've ever had. Right? So good. So satisfying. What stinks is you eat the meal. doesn't matter how great the meal was. You'll always be hungry again. That stinks. That just, that's the worst. Like, this is the best meal ever. It's going to end. But there's something that just satisfies as we sit 
and we eat. And what Jesus is saying here is there is a satisfaction that comes through doing the will of God. A satisfaction that's just like the best meal you've ever had. It's so satisfying, but only comes through doing his will. You know who's doing his will right now? Well, he is. He's doing the will of the Father, right? But you know who else is doing the will right now? The woman who left her jar behind. You know what she's in town doing? The will of the Father. She is finding that satisfaction in herself in that moment because she has discovered purpose. I'll tell you this morning, when you discover purpose, you will find that satisfaction. And that's why it hurts so much, I think, when we don't know our purpose. When we lay in bed and wonder about our night, it's that we, we hunger for it. We hunger for purpose as a society. Back in, in February, we actually did a series called Indestructible Purpose. And if, if this is something that you still wrestle with, I encourage you to, to go back, come find me. We'll get you those materials where we die through what does it truly mean to have purpose and purpose that's indestructible. And as they're talking, verse 35, do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others labored and you have entered their labor. I, I, I want to say when Jesus says, do not say there's four months and then comes the harvest. He, he's talking in farming terms, right? You plant and then you wait a while and then you reap. You harvest. I don't know. I've never done that. I'm not a good farmer. I've, I've seen John and Ruby do a little bit of farming, do a little bit of have a garden. Anybody else here with a garden? Ever had a garden? Yeah, not this guy. I kill things. I don't mean to. I just not good at it. But you have to wait. But he's saying, Jesus saying is no. That there don't say that. And then he, he actually says, Look. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And, and I can only imagine in this moment, because what is, where's the woman? She's back in town. And what is she telling people to do? Go out and see Jesus. And I can only imagine what's happening in this moment as they're standing at the well. Is Jesus actually pointing to people walking towards them, to a crowd coming to a well in the middle of the day. A crowd is is headed towards them, and Jesus says, look, here comes the harvest. Don't say it's later. Here it comes. Here it comes. And I want to bring forward another thing which I'd never thought about before, which actually hurts my heart for myself and convicts my heart for myself as I read this passage. Where were the disciples just moments before this. They were in town. What were they looking for? Something to eat. These disciples who, had, who, who have been with Jesus, now not a terribly long time yet, right? They've, 
They've seen the, the water turned into wine. They went to Jerusalem. They saw Jesus cause a little trouble there. Then they started baptizing a few folks. And now they're headed to Galilee. So they haven't been Jesus a very long time, just a little while. But they've been with Jesus longer than this woman at the well. Right? And so they go into town to grab food. And the woman's running into town to tell people about Jesus. The reality is, some of those people who ended up at the well later that afternoon maybe awkwardly looked Peter in the eye. So I just saw you in town buying chicken. And you didn't tell me about him. Well, we were, bit, we were on a mission. It was to buy food for the Messiah. It wasn't, it wasn't time for us to reap harvest yet. That's not what we were doing. We were just in there buying food. I can't help but think that these disciples would have felt extremely humbled knowing this woman ran into the same city they just came out of and was more of an evangelist than they were because they were too busy thinking about themselves. And I read this and I thought, how many times do I say to myself, well, I'm just, I'm just planting a seed. I'm, or I'm, I'm just at Walmart because I need, to, I need to buy a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. That's, I'm just here for, to do what I need to do. I'm, I'm just going to church because it's what I do. I'm just here to serve and and, but we don't realize that everywhere we go, we're called to reap where we haven't sown. Now, I want to pause and say that, that this, these words weren't written directly to you. It's important to realize when we study the Word of God, that when we read these passages, we're not just reading like, oh, I'm supposed to be reaping where I, where I haven't sown. Like, like, it wasn't written directly to you. It's Jesus talking to these disciples. And it's John writing it down for the body of Christ at that time. But because he wrote it down for the body of Christ at that time, it does apply to us. You have to go through these steps to get to how does this apply to me. And I love it because he says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. I can't help but think he's talking about that woman. She's already doing it. In fact, in the original language, he doesn't say already the one. It says, it says the reaping one. Like that's the way it describes her. She's the reaping one. She doesn't care that she's a nobody. She doesn't care that she has a past or a history. She's seen Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you can't help but talk about Jesus. Which is strange because the disciples had seen Jesus and yet they didn't realize that they're supposed to be reaping. And, and he's also here talking about John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist, what has he been doing in, in these previous weeks when we've been talking about? It? He's been proclaiming 
Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, right? He's sowing and sowing and sowing. And now what are the disciples doing? They've been baptizing. It says just before this, it says they've been baptizing more people than John. How's that happening? Because they're reaping what John sowed. What Jesus is saying is this isn't about you guys at all. Like this is extremely humbling, gentlemen. We're reaping what John sowed. And right now you're reaping what this woman, that we don't even know her name, we're reaping what she is sowing. And many will have eternal life because of it. He says, I sent you to reap that which you didn't labor for. And I think this is where they have this moment where they realize we, we, were, we were sent into town. It wasn't to buy chicken. We missed the point. When Jesus sends you places, is it sometimes, well, he, he's just sending me to serve, or maybe we have a work day at the church, or I'm just going to swing a hammer. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, I'm just, I'm just going over to, to deliver a plate of food. No, you're not. It's not just that. Maybe it's part of what you're doing. It's not just that, that you know, you're, you're called to carry the good news of Jesus Christ wherever you go. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Not because of the disciples' testimony. Because of the woman's testimony. How many say she made a difference? How good would it feel to know you make a difference? That's actually the last part of our vision of this church, is we want to make a difference. And it's it's not just simply because we want to make a difference. How many know it feels good when you know you've made a difference? Like, it, it's amazing when you realize, like, someone's up giving a testimony and they name drop you. Like, and it's not because you're all that great, right? But it's because you're like, whoa, I didn't even realize God used me like that. It's kind of humbling that God would use me. But it, God wants us to make a difference. He wants us. Like, it's part of being his son or his daughter. He wants to invest in you, not just purpose, but the realization that you can make a difference. Every person sitting in this room right now, you've been called to make a difference, not just exist, but to make a difference. It says, many believe because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that he ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Now remember, going through Samaria was supposed to be a shortcut. Instead of going around. It's not a shortcut if you stay a couple extra days. It says many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. And I know this is the cry of the heart of every leader we have on staff is like, we don't want you just to believe because we say Jesus is good. We don't want you to believe just because we say Jesus is great. We want you to believe because you have tasted and seen 
that the Lord is good. That's what we do on, on Wednesday night when we're investing in these young people. Over and again, we tell we want your faith to become your own. Because the reality is every person sitting in here is called to be a disciple who makes disciples. Like every single one of us are called to raise up people to proclaim the goodness of Christ. You say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Drew. Do you realize even if it's just one, even if you just are investing in one person, you're being a disciple who makes disciples. My question would be, who is your one? Who are you making a difference in their life? The, the, the other night, um, the other night I was sitting on the couch enjoying. I was actually sitting on the recliner. This is nice recliner we have in our house now that Stephanie brought with her to my house. And Jackson and I are kind of in a battle for it. Jackson thinks it's his. I think it's mine. And I was sitting there relaxing, enjoying myself because, you know, we've had a rough three weeks. And, that, and that's when Addie, she comes to me and she says, can, can we play escape room? And I'm just like, this sounds messy. This sounds like it's going to take time. I'm tired. This sounds like I'm going to have to move. Um, and Stephanie had gone off to relax. It sounds like it's going to be chaotic for my wife is trying to rest. And everything inside of me screamed, I don't want to do this. And the Lord said, how are you going to have a voice in her life if you don't have a relationship with her? And I was like, okay. That's not the way I said it to her. I said, all right, let's do it. So she made an escape room. And then we ran around the house and screamed for about 15 minutes, much to my wife's chagrin. We had so much fun. And realizing that I'm building a relationship with this young woman, the Lord has a plan and purpose for Addie's life. And I'll never get to be a voice in her life if I spend all my time looking for chicken for myself, looking for comfort for myself. How am I ever going to help her realize that she is called to make a difference in the world? Like, and, and that's what we live in a society that is all about themselves right now. Everything is all about us and what I want and what I can get. And, and I know we, we try to attack the younger generations with these things, but I don't think it's just the younger generations. Ladies and gentlemen, we raised them. I, I, I've never rarely ever heard someone bring up generations and do so in a positive way usually when i hear people mention millennials or generation z or whatever it's almost exclusively in negative contexts shame on us do you realize that the god of the universe is going to use this generation to change the world it's time we start understanding who these kids are through the eyes of god it's time we understand who we are through the eyes of God, but it's never going to happen until we realize who God is. Know who God is, know who I am through him, and know who others can be through him. And that's what I see here in the story of the woman at the well, a woman who finally recognizes the gift of God and recognizes who she is through him and then says, I can't keep this inside anymore. 
and runs back in, into town. Do you realize this woman was probably a woman of ill repute in her town? For her to have the guts and the boldness to say, I don't care what you think about me. I found the Messiah. I don't care how you judge me. I need to tell you about the goodness of the Lord. And they're like, what is she going on about? Let's go find out. That we would be a people that people would say, what do they keep going on about? You know, honey, I think we should go find out. Hey, um, Robert, are you, where's Robert? Hey, there you are, Robert. Robert, play something happy. Something happy. Hey, I have good news. I got through the entire story of woman at the well. It only took us four weeks. In Amos, if you want to turn there, just to challenge yourself, because you're probably not sure where Amos is. It's not that far back. And Amos, the Lord is talking about restoring Israel. This is, this is back in some other stuff. But in the restoration of Israel, this is what the Lord talks about. He says, behold, in Amos chapter 9, verse 13, it says, behold, the day is coming, declares the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Anytime you see declares the Lord, that should bring joy to your heart. That means the Lord is speaking. When the Lord speaks, it will happen. His promises are true, amen? His promises are true, amen? Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. What does that mean? It means the guy's coming through trying to get all the harvest and, and bag it up and get it ready. But before he can even get it all bagged up, the plowman's already coming through to plan again. What is that? It's a sign of abundant blessing. Abundant blessing. It says, the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. Here he's talking to the nation of Israel, saying there's a day of blessing coming again. In the midst of the judgment and the, the ways that the Lord had, had punished the people for their sins. He's saying there is a day coming. In fact, all the prophets talk about it. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. We know from reading the Word of God that Jesus demanded harvest in times when harvest shouldn't be there. Jesus is walking by a fig tree. There's no figs on it. Who, who knows this story? So Jesus is walking by a fig tree. There's no figs on it. Brennan really likes figs. There's no figs on it. So Jesus curses the fig tree. Interesting point, it actually wasn't the season for figs. When they came back, like, the tree is dead. Because it wasn't producing figs when it wasn't supposed to be producing figs. And that, let's see, that's the whole mindset that we have to be getting into. Is like, look, look, 
the hill the hills the fields they're white with harvest like it's it's time to reap stop saying we'll wait for a month or we got to wait for the move of god i'm going to say that again stop saying we need to wait for a move of god stop saying we need revival now do we need revival absolutely do we need a move of god with all my heart i believe we do but if you're waiting for that You've got this whole thing wrong. The time for reaping is now. Absolutely. So the question becomes for us, are we the disciples or are we the woman at the well? Both of them were in town. But one was about getting chicken and one was about reaping a harvest. And Jesus says, look, gentlemen, look, here they come. I just see that crowd coming out of the town to the well. The the fields are white with harvest. Here they come. Here they come. It's time to reap. Will you stand with me? Yes. I agree. It says, by his stripes, we were healed. Listen, the word of God is true. The words of Christ are true. I think one of the things, and I I mentioned it earlier, I think one of the things that really gets me is when Jesus says, and in my Bible says, already they are reaping, but in the original language, it actually says the reaping one. Using that verb to describe, when you take a verb and you use it as an adjective, I know this is an English lesson right here, ancient Greek lesson, but we are supposed to be the reaping ones. You walk into a place, hey, there's no one here ready to receive Christ. (laughs) Doesn't matter. I'm here to reap. There's no way. We, We just... And, and you guys have heard me rail on this. And I, I do believe there's a like, time to sow the seed. Oh, I'm just sowing seeds. But too many times I'm just sowing seeds. It's a cop-out for I'm too chicken to actually ask them if they want to receive Christ. Oh, I'm just building relationship. I'm just sowing seeds. I'm telling you. Listen, there are people who will die and spend eternity in hell if they don't receive Christ. Even more, there are people who are dying and already living through hell on earth because they don't know Christ. And we're just sowing seeds. Y'all, we're laborers. We are laborers. Jesus said, pray that the laborers would be sent into the harvest, not pray that we would sow some more seeds. It is time to reap for a house of prayer. It is time to reap. 
You have the spirit of the almighty God who created the universe inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Does this not give us joy this morning? The God of the universe, his spirit lives inside of me. And so wherever I go, wherever I walk, I can reap a harvest, even if it's not in season. This is where we live. And so my altar call for today is that you would discover purpose and realize that you can make a difference when you do the will of God when you realize that you are one of the reaping ones bow your heads and and close your eyes just the only reason we do that is just to remove distractions for a moment for for a time of self-reflection and the reason we stand up is so you guys feel encouraged that we're almost done bow your heads and close your eyes and examine your heart have you been a disciple and I don't mean the good kind that we talk about in here I mean a, a disciple like here in John chapter 4 who's so busy looking for food you don't see the harvest or are we the woman at the well who has every reason to keep her mouth shut and yet becomes a reaping one she discovers her purpose she makes a difference. told you at the beginning of this message that eight years ago I was in a time of anxiety because I didn't understand what my purpose was can I tell you my life changed and it wasn't because my job changed or my roles changed in fact from the outside looking in nothing about my life had changed at all but on the inside there was a marked change inside of me because I finally understood my purpose I finally understood it and once I discovered my purpose that changed everything and I realized I was called to make a difference Discovering purpose and making a difference will cure misery and depression like that. I, I want to invite you again. Here, here in two weeks, two weeks from today at 9 a.m., we're going to be right over here up the ramp for our what we call growth track. And all growth track is is come discover your purpose, and we're going to invite you to come make a difference. And I would highly encourage you to come never been a part of that 
Or if you just want to come and hang out and help people discover their purpose and make a difference, we, we would love to have you. It's good for people to come and sit and get to know each other. That's at 9 a.m. It lasts for about 45, 50 minutes. It'll be for three weeks. 9 a.m. for three weeks. That's what we're asking for. And, and come and see if God doesn't challenge your heart. Come and see. And, and I, I look forward to getting to know some of you all and some of those who aren't here. And don't forget, if there's someone here that you think, Pastor Drew, there's a newer person in our church, they need to be a part of that. Well, give me their name and number. I'll, I'll pester them. Can we do this real quick? Can we follow the, the words of Christ? Jesus said, pray for the laborers to be sent to the harvest. Can we take just a moment before we go and grab some chicken or some tacos? I think Paco's Tacos is closed today, unfortunately. But can we take just a moment to pray for the laborers to be sending, sent to the harvest knowing that we're the answer to our own prayer. Can we do that? Bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you so much that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. We thank you for the power and authority we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the example of the woman at the well who had such a revelation of who you were that it shifted the way she did life. God, right now, we pray for laborers to be sent to the harvest. We pray, Lord God, for, for reaping where we have not sown. We pray, Lord God, that you would bring to us the remembrance of Jesus, the, the remembrance of the words of Jesus through the Holy Spirit as we declare the goodness of God to our community, to our households, to our nation. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone among us who is struggling with identity and purpose, Father God, you would infuse them with a the knowledge of who you are so they could truly understand who they are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.